Ortega, unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to Hebner, the referee, was what counts. And remember, this is how Kenny Omega was able to defeat John Moxley for that AEW World Championship. Oh, he's going one wing and he's on the chair, guys. Oh, no. No. Oh, no, no. No, Christian's turning around. Oh, my, oh, my God. God. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Oh, my goodness. sounds of Christian Cage defeating Kenny Omega to win the Impact World Championship in the first ever match on AEW Rampage. This is the Spoiler Free Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Gentleman Ian, and by the end of this show, you will be completely up to date with everything making news in the world of pro wrestling, but I will omit any information which could potentially spoil future shows for you. So the top story in professional wrestling right now I would think, anyway, has to be that Christian is now the new Impact World Champion. So last night, they Omega and Christian kicked off AEW Rampage, the inaugural edition. The match was not without controversy. At the end of the match, a steel chair was introduced. Don Callis had the referee distracted. Omega went for the one-wigged angel. Christian countered into the unprettier on the chair. And he got the one, two, three. And so now Christian already has an Impact World Championship match scheduled for next weekend. Impact will present, uh, oh, I keep screwing this up, Emergence, not Resurgence. That's New Japan Pro Wrestling tonight. Impact presents Emergence on Impact Plus next weekend. On Impact's weekly television show this week, Brian Myers won a battle royal to become the new number one contender for the title. So now it'll be Brian Myers versus Christian headlining Impact Wrestling Emergence next weekend. It was also announced on Impact this week that Christian will be on the show next week because Christian is going to take part in the upcoming television tapings in the Skyway Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. So Impact is running tapings from Sunday to Tuesday this week. And Christian is now being advertised to be in the impact zone on the Monday and the Tuesday. So he won't be there on Sunday, but he's going to do two days of tapings. And evidently, whatever airs next Thursday is, is going to include stuff that Christian taped. And then, of course, on Friday is the emergence show when Christian will take on Brian Myers. Now, this is actually the third time that Christian has won a Impact World title. Hear me out. But it's the first time he's won the Impact World Championship. When Christian was in TNA before, he won the world title twice. But it was back when they were still using the NWA World Heavyweight Championship as their world title. So Christian is actually a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but this was his first time winning the Impact World Championship. Uh, and they also mentioned on the, his little statistics graphic on Rampage that he's a four-time World Champion, and that's because uh, he twice won the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE. So now we've got 
a fairly interesting scenario as it involves Kenny Omega, the belt collector. He's just lost two of his belts, and he will be in Mexico to defend the AAA Mega Championship today against Andrade El Idolo. Now, that should be interesting. If you notice, AEW hasn't made a big point of promoting the Triple Mania show or the AAA Mega Championship, mainly due to the fact that you can't, that show can't be seen in the United States. Um, this is part of some lawsuit that's been ongoing with the former owners of Lucha Underground and, and AAA over who has the rights to monetize content, AAA content in the United States. So we'll, we'll see what goes on with that, but there is no way to actually view Triple Mania in the United, there's no way to legally view Triple Mania in the United States. So that could be a potential reason why they aren't uh, playing up that match too much in AEW. It might also be because Andrade and Omega aren't really feuding in AEW, so they don't want to kind of play into to the match in Mexico too much. Not really sure, but it could be the case that by the next time we see Kenny Omega in AEW or in Impact, he's down to just the world championship from AEW. He could be down to just the one world title. as you know, if if he loses to Andrade at Triple Mania, that would be three of his four titles gone this weekend. Three of his four titles would be gone in a two-day period. Also, news coming out of AEW Rampage last night. Fuego Del Sol and Jamie Hayter are both officially signed to All Elite Wrestling. So for Fuego Del Sol, I mean, this is kind of an interesting story because he's a guy who really caught on because he was used as an extra during like the pandemic era, which I guess we're kind of still in, but the, the era where they're just filming shows inside Daly's place. And he was, he sort of created a name for himself by being on dark and dark elevation, getting beaten up regularly, but being very good at getting beaten up. I, th I think that's basically Fuego del Sol's skill is that he's really good at getting beaten up. Like, remember when Malachi Black kicked him in the face and he spun around a bunch of times and just did one of the, the best-looking knockout acting jobs I think I've ever seen? He sort of reminds me a little bit of, if you remember, little Guido from ECW, Guido Maritani, or I can't remember exactly how his name was, uh, Nunzio. He would be named Nunzio in WWE. But Nunzio was fantastic at getting beaten up. And he made a career out of that. Well, so far, Fuego Del Sol is doing the same because after he got beaten up by Miro on AEW Rampage, Tony Khan and Sammy Guevara are seen talking on the stage and then Sammy Guevara comes out with a contract and announces that Fuego Del Sol is all elite. And I wondered throughout this entire thing, how how much Fuego Del Sol knew ahead of time? Did he know that Sammy Guevara was going to come out and offer him a contract after this? Or did possibly AEW decide that uh, having it be an unexpected moment for Fuego would create maybe more of a an emotional scene? But it certainly was an emotional scene. It, it, Fuego seemed to be seemed to be quite emotional underneath that mask, and he was very 
happy to receive the contract from All Elite Wrestling. He wasn't the only one to officially sign with AEW on the show, however. Jamie Hayter came out at the end of the Women's World Championship match to help Britt Baker deliver a beatdown to both Red Velvet and Chris Statlander. So Jamie Hayter, who is actually... She uh, came in on like one of the early, early episodes of AEW Dynamite, but uh, things, you know, uh, with her being a UK-based wrestler and the pandemic, uh, things got a little complicated and a little difficult, but she is back now, and she seems to be aligned with Britt Baker. Baker had sort of suggested that uh, she needs a little bit more muscle. That more muscle appears to be Jamie Hayter. But it's interesting the way the end of the Women's World Championship match uh, went at the end of Rampage this week because Britt Baker is insanely popular. But she's not a baby face. And I don't think they are comfortable going full baby face with her. Because obviously the fans chant along with DMD. She has like near 100% approval rating amongst AEW fans. But she got that way by being such a good heel that people really latched on to her and decided, oh, okay, this is a really entertaining part of the show. She's really good. We're going to cheer for her. So now I it, it sort of feels like they don't want to take that away from Britt Baker, but they're fine with fans cheering for her. But she did do some dastardly heel-like stuff at the end of this match, which I thought was kind of surprising because it is her hometown. So even though she's popular everywhere, she's even more popular in Pittsburgh. But at the end of the match, they had her continue the beatdown, continue to assault Red Velvet after the match was over. Then she gets attacked by Chris Statlander. The Pittsburgh fans boo Chris Statlander out of the building. Not literally, she remained in the building. But then Jamie Hayter came out, and Jamie Hayter attacked Chris Statlander, aligns with Britt Baker, and that's how the show went off the air. So, Jamie Hayter coming into AEW, or returning to AEW, that should be a pretty big deal, I think. Uh, she is a... Let's see here. What is she? Well, she's a two-time RevPro Women's Champion. She held the Goddess uh, Tag Championships with uh, B Priestley. And Pro Wrestling Illustrator had her ranked in at number 47 of the top 100 females uh, in 2020. So Jamie Hayter, now in AEW, now aligned with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. <laughs> On SmackDown last night, Shinsuke Nakamura, now known as King Nakamura, defeated Apollo Crews to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship for... The second time. And this is the latest in a series of sort of mid-card victories that Nakamura has got in WWE. Of course, he beat Baron Corbin for the king of WWE, so he's now known as King Nakamura. Well, King Nakamura is the new Intercontinental Champion. It was the 180th time that the Intercontinental title has changed hands dating all the way back to when Pat Patterson won a very controversial tournament that may or may not have actually happened on September 1st, 1979 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So Nakamura, his first title run with the belt went 200 days, which is a fairly, like, especially in the modern era, it's a fairly long run. 
So he currently ranks 29th in terms of overall time spent with the title. He ranks just ahead of Triple H, who has spent 200 days with the Intercontinental title, but split across five different reigns. As for Apollo Crews, that was his only reign with the Intercontinental title. It cap or stops at 124 days. That ranks him 48th on the all-time list of Intercontinental champions. He is just below Ken Shamrock and just above Finn Balor. So now we'll just have to see where both Nakamura and Apollo Crews go from here on SmackDown. Regarding Keith Lee's absence from about February to July. You remember Keith Lee was up, he was on the main roster, it seemed like he was doing well, and then he was just gone. And of course this led to all sorts of speculation that maybe he had fallen out of favor with management, or, I mean, numerous articles posted all over the web tried to make sense out of where Keith Lee was. Well, he put out a video this week and and explained where he was. So he had contracted COVID and developed some inflammation of the heart, which unfortunately can be a, a serious condition, and he was not medically cleared to compete. So here's what he said in the video that he posted to social media. He said, some people may have experienced this thing where there's like an inflammation in the heart or lungs. For me, it was the heart. That led to very scary times. I was basically forbidden from training or any activity outside of a light walk. There was a fear that doing more than that, that there was a chance that I could just up and pass away. So this became a fight against death, so to speak. And it took up until the company sent me to Pittsburgh to get looked at. It was to the point where I was about to have to undergo genetic testing and all sorts of things because it was thought that there was a potential I could have a heart disease of sorts. Very fortunately, even though it took a long time, we waited that amount of time for that for that allowed the inflammation in my heart to eventually go down to normal. So even though the first MRI was bad and the second one was worse, over time things got better here and there. And eventually after that visit, I was cleared to try and get back into some sort of shape. That's where the struggle really is. So basically what happened was, you know, he he had a medical issue and he was gone. He was unable to compete. But what led to all this speculating is that nobody knew what was going on. And so he put out a follow-up tweet just kind of explaining, you know, why he didn't say anything. So he said, it isn't that I couldn't say anything. I chose not to in order to focus on everything I needed to. COVID and its after effects can be rather unpredictable. I was fortunate enough to be cared for. And so a lot of people are saying this kind of, this situation points to kind of a greater problem of everyone feeling entitled to all information about a public figure, right? And that's that's just what the public feels they're entitled to. There is a, a, a large percentage of the public feels like if someone's a celebrity, anything going on in their life is should be public information and news that they should be able to read somewhere. But that's incredibly unfair to the celebrity who... You know, in, in this case, it's not like Keith Lee wants to be, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure he wants to be a public figure in something, but he's a professional wrestler. 
And does, does being a professional wrestler mean your entire life can be put under the spotlight for the entire public to see, including your medical issues? I don't believe so, but there's a lot of people who do. And I think that's becoming more and more becoming a problem, not just in wrestling, but everywhere. So CM Punk has been doing media rounds to promote his TV show Heels, along with Stephen Amell, which is coming out, I think, this weekend. I'm not really sure, but it's on Stars. Um, so he spoke to TV in, Insider recently, and during that interview, he was asked, what are your thoughts on the landscape of pro wrestling today? And I thought that Punk's comments were very interesting. So interesting, in fact, that I'm going to read them to you. So Punk was asked, what are your thoughts on the landscape of pro wrestling today? And Punk responded, I think the older the stuff is, the better. I think it's partly unfortunate that WWE owns the super good libraries in pro wrestling. I think that stuff is classic and they don't even put it on their network. They are sitting on it. I want to watch Austin Idol versus Jerry Lawler in Memphis. I do think the landscape of pro wrestling in general, in general really needs a kick in the dick. I think we are about there. I think there are people out there stirring the pot and causing trouble in a good way. It's a fun world. There is nothing like it. Pro wrestling gets crapped on by a number of people, but when it's done on a high level and it's really good, there is nothing better. I thought those were some really interesting questions about CM Punk. So basically, in a nutshell there, his two comments about the landscape of pro wrestling today is he likes older professional wrestling, and he's upset he can't see some of the good stuff on the WWE Network, and he thinks modern pro wrestling needs, his words, a kick in the dick. But he also said, I think we're about there. I think we that there are people out there stirring the pot and causing trouble in a good way. So CM Punk sounds very optimistic about the future of pro wrestling, albeit perhaps not WWE-style professional wrestling. So a really big story that's been happening for the last two weeks in, in professional wrestling involves the future of NXT. And in fact, like, what is NXT? Is NXT a third brand? Or is NXT a minor leagues to Raw and SmackDown's major league? And this is just speculation, but I think this is how a lot of people feel. Is that NXT at one point had been the minor leagues to Raw and SmackDown's major leagues. However, when the independent wrestling scene started to really explode around like 2013, 2014, and there were really well-attended independent wrestling shows, Ring of Honor was doing well, New Japan World had just come out, I think WWE kind of picked up on the idea that there's a market for wrestling outside of our company right now. And so this could potentially lead to like a big company coming in and providing competition for them. So what we saw a lot of in the 20 teens was WWE signing a lot of talent, like more talent, more wrestlers than they'd ever signed ever in their history before. And they put them in the developmental system, they'd send them to NXT. There was lots of places for them to go that weren't Raw or SmackDown. And you could make the argument that part of the reason that they were signing up all of these talents was to keep them away from a company like AEW or keep them from Ring of Honor or keep them from another company that could take another step and become competition for them. 
and also by providing a show that was geared towards professional wrestling fans, you could you could prevent some of those professional wrestling fans from from leaving their WWE fandom behind and going and just watching these wrestling programs that are geared more towards them. And we've talked about this on the on this show countless times. Raw and SmackDown are not aimed at professional wrestling fans. They are aimed at families. Their their characters are larger than life. They are digestible for an eight-year-old, but then there's enough stuff that that eight-year-old's parents can enjoy watching it with them. And they'll take them to the shows, they'll buy them the toys, they'll buy them the shirts, and that's how WWE makes its money. WWE does not aim their wrestling shows at professional wrestling fans, but NXT was aimed at professional wrestling fans so that those fans don't build up another promotion. So, a report came out in the Wrestling Observer this week basically saying that Triple H's goal with NXT was to stop AEW from rising to new heights, and Triple H failed, basically, because AEW has now reached the heights where they can afford big-name talent. They are bringing in 1.1 million uh, viewers per week. They're doing great in the 18 to 49 demo. So AEW is doing just fine. NXT, if it was its job to prevent AEW from getting to that state, well, then NXT failed. So a report came out in the Wrestling Observer basically saying that like Triple H is being blamed for this. And here's what Dave Meltzer wrote in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. He said, Levesque, so Triple H, Levesque, had been thought to be untouchable, but in failing to stop AEW's rise and eventually losing the war, it gave both his detractors and those who felt he would replace them the obvious ammunition. The idea is he was in control and in a fight, and his vision for the product failed to attract younger viewers. Meltzer continued, The idea is that Levesque Levesque, Triple H. The idea is that Triple H had stocked NXT with too many wrestlers who had no main roster potential. In, in <clears throat> the the idea is that Triple H had stocked NXT with too many wrestlers who had no main roster potential. In his being quick to sign independent talent as fast as possible if they showed potential to stockpile and keep them from AEW. So that's saying just what I was doing. NXT got stocked up with talent that would do great in NXT, do great in AEW, do great in New Japan, Ring of Honor, wherever, but wouldn't work on Raw or SmackDown, which favors bigger wrestlers that are larger than life that eight-year-olds will find awe-inspiring. That's that's what Raw and SmackDown is. And so you, Johnny Gargano, you know, who's great. Johnny Gargano's fantastic in NXT. He'd be fantastic in AEW or Ring of Honor or anywhere else. But he wouldn't be fantastic in Raw or SmackDown. So the idea is now that WWE would go back to its sort of pre-2014 mentality of, look, if somebody's under six foot, if somebody's under 220 pounds, we're not signing them. You know, so a guy like Wheeler Utah who's a really fun wrestler to watch. We've been seeing him on AEW, but apparently, you know, WWE passed on him in in a tryout. And a lot of people said, okay, this is 
indicative now of, of what the new hiring process is going to be in WWE. They're just looking for guys that can be main event stars. They're not going to sign people just to keep them away from AEW anymore because that ship sailed. AEW has already reached the heights they didn't want it to. So now they're just going to focus on creating the kind of stars that they know how to focus on. And I think that AEW's rise is also a reason why WWE is releasing all this talent. There's no point in them stockpiling talent to keep them from another promotion when that promotion already exists and already has a bunch of talent. So WWE can save costs by parting ways with these people. And so now we're kind of left wondering, well, what changes in NXT? I, I don't know if anything changes on the actual NXT show. But certainly, since there's going to be a change in the amount of wrestlers, in the type of wrestlers that are hired in WWE over time, is NXT still going to have that reputation as being really, really good wrestling? Or are we going to see more wrestlers with less experience, less talent, but uh, bigger personas and, and bigger physically? And that stuff, we're just going to have to see how that plays out over the, over the next months, and years. So there was an incident, I guess you could call it an incident, but uh, last week, an episode of AEW Dark had to be briefly taken down, re-edited, and then posted back online due to controversial comments made in a rap by Max Caster. Now, if you've been watching Dark or Max Caster or the acclaimed at all, Controversial statements are all over Max Caster's raps and tweets and everything. But he mentioned uh, Simone Biles in his rap. I'll, I'll read you the transcript of his rap here. So uh, I won't rap this because, you know, no one, no one wants to hear this. But he said, the acclaimed kicking ass for Miles make you claim mental health like Simone Biles. The Seidel's going to pay the cost. I'm going to treat those bitches like Duke Lacrosse. The blondes say there, and then it, the blondes say they are the best, but those dudes are faker than a PCR test. So, I mean, it's not like he came out and he, he just, well, anyway. Everyone was really upset, mainly because he, he mentioned Simone Biles. And uh, AEW didn't want that, so they re-edited the thing. And this week he came out in the Wrestling Observer that Max Caster has been sent to sensitivity training in AEW. Also, the acclaimed were the number two ranked team in AEW. The next time the rankings came out, they were dropped from the rankings completely. Also, on the most recent tape, or, well, no, not the piss. Yes, yes, on the tapings on Wednesday, Anthony Bowens wrestled a singles match and came out with ring music that was not the acclaimed's en entrance music. There are other people saying that, like, Max Caster has removed any mention of AEW from his social media profiles and has been liking tweets by NXT. But that totally, to me, seems like he could just be playing into the character, you know. Um, th this does not seem like anything that would get Max Caster fired. But, uh, I mean, they're sending him to sensitivity training, which, which means, hey, they weren't happy about it and they don't want it to happen again. Um, and it should be interesting to, I'm interested in seeing if they mention what happened when he comes back. But what we know right now is that 
Tony Khan said he's going to take control over editing Dark and Dark Elevation from here on out. And Max Caster has been sent to sensitivity training, and we don't know when he will return. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. I, I don't know why I found this funny, but I, I did. Uh, so they announced this week that they are expecting a baby to be born in February. Specifically, their baby will be born in February. And I guess I just found this kind of funny because they're sort of storyline parents to Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell already. And, you know, they're doing this whole thing with not wanting Indy Hartwell to date Dexter Loomis. And it's been a whole thing. But now they're going to have a real, honest-to-God, biological child. And what a worker that child will most likely be. So, Candice LeRae wrote on Instagram, This road for me and Johnny has been long, and I've had days where I thought this would never happen for us. It's hard as a woman to choose between your career you've won since childhood and growing a life inside you. There never seems to be a right time. I've been a wrestler for 19 years, and it's my constant since I was a little girl. It's my first love. It's given me irreplaceable friends, a brother, experiences I'd never had otherwise, the blessing of traveling the world, the ability to make an impact on people's lives, and last but not least, a husband. So Candice LeRae will be taking some maternity leave off, and The Way will be adding a new member. And I... I... I really hope that I I want to see some vignettes, some scenes in the hospital where Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell are acting really jealous over Johnny and Candace's real biological child. I'm just saying, please turn their real family life into a storyline. That's all I want. I don't think that's too much to ask. But anyway, the story here is that Johnny and Candace uh, are expecting a child that will be born next February. Uh, so that should take Candace LeRae out of things for a little while, but uh, big congratulations for them. It's certainly been a big year for wrestling couples having babies. All right, so let's go through some of the big matches that are going to be coming up over the next few days in professional wrestling. And so let's start with, uh, it's a it's a show that might have already happened while you're listening to this, but... Let's take a look at the lineup for New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence. They actually just added a new match to this. And so the main event is going to be for the IWGP United States Championship as Lance Archer, who just defeated John Moxley for that title, he will defend against Hiroshi Tanahashi. In the semi-main event for the Never Openweight Championship, Switchblade Jay White is going to be defending the title against David Finley, and that match has been built up on Impact Wrestling quite a bit. The Good Brothers are going to take on John Moxley and a mystery partner, and we'll find out who his partner is on the show itself. Tomohiro Ishii is going to take on Moose in what should be a, a really fun match. Team Filthy, you'll know these guys if you're following New Japan Strong. That's Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and Danny Limelight. They're going to be taking on the team of Leo Rush, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Fred Yehai, and Yuya Uemura. Rocky Romero, Fred Rosser, and Wheeler Utah are going to team up to take on Ren Narita, Clark Connor, and TJP. Juice Robinson is going to take on Hikaleo in a match that was just announced. Alex Coughlin versus Carl Fredericks as well. And then Adrian Quest, the DKC, Kevin Knight versus Barrett Brown, Mysterioso, 
and Bateman. And that actually is going to be a dark match. And so that's coming up tonight. Now, also coming up tonight is Triple Mania. However, I, it's not, there's no real legal way to see it in the United States. And this is because of an ongoing lawsuit between the old producers of Lucha Underground and AAA. So uh, evidently, somewhere in the Lucha Underground AAA arrangement, this the the Lucha Underground people, like the the company at the at the top of it producing it, uh, believe that they got the rights to monetize and market any AAA content in the United States. And so because of that, AAA is take AAA is not presenting anything in the United States. It's not on television. It's not on YouTube in the United States. Nothing. Um, so there's no legal way to actually watch this card in the United States. So this lawsuit has been going on for a while now. Who knows if it'll ever get sorted out. But here is the lineup for AAA, uh, Triple Mania uh, tonight. So Kenny Omega is going to defend the AAA Mega Championship against Andrade El Idolo. Uh, in what is the the main event, uh, Psycho Clown versus Rey Escorpion in a uh, mask versus hair match. Then there's a title for title match, the AAA Reina de Reinas Championship against the Impact Knockouts Championship. Fabi Apache, who's the Reina de Reinas Champion, against Deanna Perrazzo. Um, and then, I mean, those are those are the big matches. There's a, a three way tag for the AAA World Tag Team Championships. Phoenix and Pentagon, they're going to defend against uh, Hio del Vikingo and Laredo King and Taurus and a partner of his choosing. And then the trios match, there'll be Team AAA, Pagano, Chessman, and Murder Clown against La Empresa, Puma King, Sam Adonis, and DMT Azul. So that's that's the AAA, uh, Triple Mania lineup there. So obviously the, the big matches for... Um, you know, fans of Impact and AEW are going to be Kenny Omega versus Andrade and Fabi Apache versus Deanna Perrazzo. So that should be kind of fun. Um, also announced this week was the lineup for the NWA 73rd anniversary show at the end of the month in St. Louis. So this came out on Friday. Billy Corgan put out a video and he announced that the following matches are going to take place on that show. So we're going to have Nick Aldis defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Trevor Murdoch. Now, this came about because Trevor Murdoch's team on NWA Power won the recent championship series. And so everybody on their team gets a title shot of a title of their choosing. I mean, I think only one can challenge for the world title. But Trevor Murdoch obviously now wants another crack at Nick Aldis for the world title. At the end of the last pay-per-view they had, Trevor Murdoch actually defeated all this by disqualification. So we'll see what goes on here. Is this Trevor Murdoch's last uh, shot at the world title? I I think that there's a chance he actually wins it here. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. There's a chance that Trevor Murdoch comes away from the chase in St. Louis as the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And that's something that hasn't... we. The last time we had a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, it was like three years ago. It was at All Out. And then Nick Aldis won it back at what I believe was the 70th anniversary show. So we get Nick Aldis versus Trevor Murdoch, the NWA 
73rd anniversary show. Also for the NWA National Championship, Chris Adonis will defend against James Storm. For the NWA Tag Team Championships, Aaron, Steve Aaron Stevens and Kratos will defend against Mecca Wolf and Bestia 666. Mickey James will face Kylie Ray. And then for the NWA Women's Championship, whoever comes away the winner the night before at the NWA Empower show, either Camille or Layla Hirsch, will take on the winner of the NWA Invitational Women's Cup, which will also take place at Empower. So basically the winners of the two main events from the night before will clash with the women's title on the line on the 73rd anniversary show. Uh, Tom Latimer will take on Crimson and Tim Storm in a triple threat match. In trios action, Tyrus, the Masked Man, and Jordan Clearwater will take on the Pope and The End, which is the team of Odinson and Paro. And then there will be a 12-man battle royal to determine the NWA national title number one contender. So that is all coming up at the end of the month, but it was announced this week by Billy Corgan. So that should be fun. we got a few weeks before that takes place. And let's just go and talk about what we can expect on AEW Dynamite this week. And so they've got from the Fertitta Center in Houston, Texas. For the AEW Tag Team Championships, the Young Bucks are going to defend against the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Sean Spears will take on Sammy Guevara. And then after that match, Sammy Guevara... Uh, has some announcement that he's going to make. Not really sure what that will be. And then Darby Allen and Sting will team up to take on 2.0, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee. And those are your lineups coming up in wrestling for the next week. My name is Gentleman Ian. This was the Spoiler Free Wrestling Podcast, and I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>